gentlemen, welcome once again to the film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming this movie podcast ever recorded uh, once every uh, oh several months at this time. Uh, but you know what? We had a movie come out, and I had only one person in mind to help me review it. And the reason for this podcast to get back on the rails and actually uh, come out for a change. Justin Mullis, welcome back to the show to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Happy to be back, Adam. I I am excited because here's the thing. I uh, for many people that listen to this show, there's a 99% chance the majority of them come over from Hero Movie Podcast and that's lovely. Thank you for coming to all of the shows and the things that I do. It means a lot. <clears throat> this one of course has been on a hiatus for quite some time. Uh not that I've particularly stopped watching movies or anything. I've certainly uh, kept up a, a, a good amount. Maybe maybe I should have a little bit more under my belt, but I want to uh, I want to start talking about them again. And this is a, uh, a great excuse uh, for number one to go out to a theater, which we both actually got to do. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, not only do we get to go out to the theater, uh, a lot of people are as well. It's not just you know a small select amount of people, people all over the world. As well as tons of people seeing it on HBO Max. So we're really at uh, quite the nexus in film history and time here that this has never really happened before, that both things are continuously out at the exact same time. One of these things, on, like, for example, with HBO, that's free, so to speak. I mean, if you're paying the regular subscription per month, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume, you know, so uh, I, I don't think that I, I, I'm pretty sure you can't do a trial right now. I think HBO Max has suspended that as the subscription services do uh, when they have a really big uh, tentpole film that they're releasing. And I, like, I think like that's Disney, absolutely but. fair. That's absolutely fair because we all know those people and maybe you're one of those people. Shame on you for being those people. But there are people that go and just will, uh, okay, I've got a new email address. You know, I've got a, maybe a slightly different credit card after a little while. I'll just go ahead and plug something else in and we'll roll the dice and see what happens. And, you know, there's a ton of people that do that. So I'm, I'm at least glad that they made the smart decision, in my opinion, to go, okay, no, you, you want this, and we know that's what you want it for. Go ahead and pay that full price right there. So I, I think that that's, that's something I really haven't thought about, but that's a smart decision. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to to object to that necessarily. I mean, they've got to uh, they've got to make their uh, money somehow. Yeah, and we got uh, we got Black Widow coming up, and not too awful long. They pushed that back a little bit, but honestly, I think at that time, based upon what I saw uh, this past weekend at Godzilla versus Kong, I'll say that they're going to be. I think even closer to capacity than they are right now. Not only will they have, you know, a, a you know more numbers of shows themselves more than likely uh, that will go on probably later in the day and into the night because most of them are starting to shut off like really early and stuff, which didn't make a lot of sense. We're starting to widen out those hours a little bit now, so I think by the time Black Widow comes out, that'll uh, things will be back into swing. But they're doing the premium thing at the exact same time. Where you know you can have your regular Disney Plus subscription and you pay you know thirty bucks or whatever it is and you can watch that you know same day release and everything. I think both having both things around at the exact same time, there's a good chance for that being the future of of movies. I think. I mean, it certainly it certainly makes for uh, an interesting 
experience because uh, I think this is the first time in my life where I saw a movie in theaters um, and then within 24 hours, I was able to watch it again at home. So, you know, which is something I did. So in this case, yeah, uh, so, which is also yeah. pretty cool. And, and that I, I was the exact same way. Now, I, I didn't end up watching it again uh, because that's when <clears throat> I, I wish I had some uh, a taps sound effect here. But uh, that's when I found out that my subwoofer died. I have a like mm. a 10 inch monolith uh, THX subwoofer. Um, thankfully it's still under warranty, so uh, that shouldn't be a big problem or anything, but man, I, I was hoping it wasn't the receiver. I was doing all the testing out and stuff, trying to figure out and pinpoint exactly what it has to be, which, which piece of equipment here is failing. And it came across the big one, which, uh, it's, it's fine. As long as it's under warranty, hopefully I won't have to pay to ship that back. Cause that bastard's like 80 pounds. <laughs> So I hope I don't have to do that. But that's what stopped me from watching this movie a second time. I was just so bummed. And when I plug in my, my, my former subwoofer, which is this tiny, cute little Sony subwoofer that came, you know, home theater in the box circa 2002, three, something like that. Old as hell. Uh, it is so cute to watch that try in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's shaking back and forth. It just sounds like it's about to bottom out at any second. It's so wild. I could turn that off and just turn my regular tower speakers up and everything, and it would still give me more pace than what's coming out of that little box. It's so pathetically sad. Um, but uh, hopefully Mono Price will, will do me right. Uh, stay tuned to this channel for more information, because when that comes out, I don't care what's going to on. I'm going to talk about it, because, damn it, it makes a difference to me. <laughs> so, But that's why I didn't watch this movie a second time yet, because I'm like, ah, damn, I really want to... Uh, I really want to... I really want to see it with the proper base and everything if I'm seeing it at home. You know, I want it to be... Uh, I saw it in IMAX and everything, which uh, is just the Fomax here, uh, which is, you know, just as terrible as everything else. <laughs> It's it's not spectacular. It's not the worst either. Sound is usually pretty good, and that's a lot of what I'm going in to some of these more, you know, the higher scale theaters and stuff like that. That's what I really kind of want is at least picture-wise, most everybody's fairly decent, you know. There's, there's a couple of bad standouts here and there, but for the most part, picture's halfway decent. But so at that point, really, I'm kind of calculating a lot on sound, and that's why I do you know, whatever big thing I can possibly do. But this one, having not only seen it in the theater, I do want to see it again just because I want to do, and if it's not coming out, I'm going to be really miffed about it. Uh, but this better be coming out in 4DX because I saw King of the Monsters in 4DX and it was the best experience I've ever had. It was so great. And I was that was my only complaint is that that was not available for me to watch this movie the first time. I don't know if it was going to be as good as you know that previous one was, but I, I don't know. I, I really, really like that. And I, when they open up next week, if they're playing that, I will, even though I guess technically I'm not a regal employee right now, I will pay my money and, and uh, go see this again because... Uh, well, but let's get into it real quick here. Here is the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. I love the uh, music in it as well. It's cool. This is our only chance. We have to take it. We need Kong. The world needs him. 
stop what's coming. And this child, she's the only one he'll communicate with. I knew that they had a bond. She had nowhere to go, so I made a promise to protect her. And I think that in some way, Khan did the same. These are dangerous times. Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. Something provoking that we're not seeing here. I'm of the same opinion. The myths are real. There was a war. And they're the last ones standing. I keep reaching for greatness because I'm built from it. Who bows to who? Nobody gonna stop for me. Kong bows to no one. That was the trailer for Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I, I played the whole thing on this on this channel uh, on Hero Movie Podcast. I could just feel Sean getting upset <laughs> that it was going on, so we faded out quite early. But I wanted to play the full thing uh, because uh, Justin, what what year does this feel like to you? I don't know when we are because to me, it's like this feels like the epitome of what we got in 90s movies brought to the 21st century and kind of redone to us. Does that make uh, sense? I mean, that's, an, that's an interesting uh, uh, interesting point. I mean, uh, as far as I mean, the trailer or the whole movie? Every, just, I would almost say darn near everything. Yeah? Yeah, there is such a... Um, I I well, I'll go ahead and you know for those that have listened to H and P you know but I, I really enjoyed this movie I had a boatload of fun with it uh, but it's my sentiment ended up being the same as I've seen a lot of people's out there which is the story is stupid the characters are moronic you don't give a damn about the story nothing in it makes any sense but boy you like to see awesome kaiju big giant fights and stuff and kong do amazing stuff godzilla doing cool stuff and, and you know you have a big giant brawl at the end of it if that's what you wanted guess what this movie's for you it, because that's exactly what it is you don't care about any of this stuff and it's fine that you don't it's i don't know it's a little bit fun because they try to it's like video game logic you know when we go play video games the ones that have a really crappy story you're sort of following it but not really it doesn't truly matter what you're really wanting to do is get to the next part of the game that you end up playing that's a, that's a, that's what this movie is essentially yeah, and I mean, you know, I've I've seen that I've seen that opinion, um, 
you know, a lot about this film. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it as much as, you know, I feel like with uh, the the previous film, excuse me, sorry. Um, I feel like with the previous film with King of the Monsters, uh, that was, that was a little bit more of an issue where, you know, they, they tried to really, you know, make us care about, you know, this whole sort of, uh, of family, you know, drama that was going on between uh, Vera Famiga and uh, Kyle Chandler and mm-hmm. Millie Bobby Brown's characters, and you know, and you, and you just, you, it doesn't make any sense as we talked about when we did King of the Monsters back in 2019, and and you really, you really don't care. You don't need uh, Viga Famera and, uh, and Charles Dance there playing villains when you've got you know, Ghidorah threatening, you know, the entire planet. Um, and and I, I feel like with this film, with Godzilla versus Kong, uh, they made a, a, a smart move in really minimizing the amount of time that you are uh, expected to spend with any of the human characters or really sort of uh, invest in them. I mean, everybody is so lightly sketched in this movie that in, in a couple of cases, I mean, they might as well not even be there. Like, I don't know why uh, Kyle Chandler is even in this film. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't contribute anything to the plot. I mean, it's, it's essentially two almost cameo sort of appearances. Uh, the, the thing that really struck me about this film that I was not expecting is that, you know, it is, it is almost, you know, and it's just under two hours, but I mean, those two hours are pretty much wall to wall action and they are situated almost entirely on either Kong or Godzilla or both of them. Um, and it, it really feels like they're the characters who you're supposed to be following. They're the characters who you're supposed to, uh, uh care about, um, you know, I've been comparing this movie almost to to something like John Favreau's uh, remakes of of the Jungle Book or or the Lion King because you know this is almost damn near a cartoon uh, in the <laughs> in the amount of time that we spend with these CGI monsters running around, fighting each other, fighting other monsters, you know, uh, you know, going through a a crazy, you know, uh, psychedelic hollow earth, you know, environment, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I think that's, that's intentional. I don't think that's any kind of mistake. You know, I think that, uh, the fact that the, the, uh, Adam Winger, uh, the director and, and the people who made this movie expect you to to sympathize with Kong and that Kong is the main character is overwhelmingly evident when the film opens up with this almost three to four minute sequence of Kong waking up and going through his daily routine and literally and, scratching his ass. That's again, this is where the yeah. 1990s filmmaking comes into play. Adam Wingard is my age and like, a lot of the bull crap that he does, I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense that we're <laughs> that we're the same age because it's a lot of the same stupid dumbass humor, and I'll be the first person to say I'm a dumbass. So, yeah, absolutely, you know. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> stop agreeing with me. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand. I understand your point about yeah. You you're know, supposed to say you genius. Know, you're a genius, Adam. God, <laughs> get it right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, under, I understand your point more about like, yeah, sort of the 90s thing. And, and, and yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So, 
But no, none of these people, they don't necessarily need to be around, and you just don't care. But it's enough of a, like when I say, uh, this is what I got kind of uh, uh, raked over the coals a little about here in HMP, and this is uh, this show is almost my redemption of, of kind of having to, they're not here to fight their fight anymore. I'm here to tell you what I think instead of being, that's stupid, that's a dumb idea, which I can't blame them. They are right, because this movie is dumb, it is stupid, but... For what it is, having this structure of this tiny little story with the humans going in and out of this, it is just enough of a thread to tie those things together. Because as much as we all say, oh, I just want to see a movie with monsters, and I think we've said this many times, or at least I I certainly have, as much as we want to see a movie 100% with monsters, that will get boring rather, rather quickly. You need some sort of little tiny you know, through line in here because these things don't speak English. You're not seeing subtitles between monsters. You don't know what's going on. As far as you're concerned, it's action. And even if that's action, it's super, super bitching. Eventually, it will get old and it will get boring. Don't believe me? Look at the movie Hardcore Harry. It's the exact same way. It's like you didn't have a good enough story and you had this crazy gimmick, but the story just wasn't there because the gimmick was the only thing that you had in mind. That's not what this movie is. It knows it's a big, stupid-ass movie. We need this little tiny thread to put everything together so you dumb, dumb humans that are watching this can relate to it. You think you want the other thing, but you don't. You want to know you know, some sort of... But they do it in the worst way. I'm not going to say that they, they couldn't do it better because I feel like they could do it better, right? I mean, yeah, you know, probably. I mean, I, I think that you you probably could because I think that they do it better. Um, you know, even if we're just being very sort of of narrow and looking at this particular this particular franchise of like legendary pictures monsterverse, I think they do it better in Kong Skull Island. I think Kong Skull Island is still the best and strongest out of all of these films, and what nudges it ahead of the others is the fact that they give you a a cast of human characters that again like we talked about in our Kong Skull Island episode are very thinly sketched they're they're largely sort of you know stereotypes of you know Samuel Jackson's your Ahab character and uh you know uh, uh you know Loki is in there as a as a tracker and John Goodman's playing the uh the Carl Denham analog and and whatnot <laughs> they're very they're they're very thinly sketched um, I know I couldn't remember the name of the actor who plays Loki. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. There you go. Tom I was Hiddleston, I was looking yeah. for it in the re- recesses too. I'm just like it's back here in the files. I know it. Tom Hiddleston. There you go. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, right, is playing is playing a tracker. You know, but um, Brie Larson is is a photographer, right? You know, it's it's you know it's but but it, it's 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 enough, um, and none of them are are particularly like obnoxious or you know. Uh, characters and yeah they they avoid some of those pitfalls that i'm i'm surprised that this movie falls into uh that godzilla versus kong falls into because like i mean i you know one one thing is so did they they really give us in the in in the same movie (laughs) where the characters are so so thinly sketched and they're just there to kind of move us along from one plot point to another. Did they really think it was necessary to have um, both uh, Brian Tyree Henry's character and Alexander Skarsgård's character uh, be motivated by a dead loved one? 
Like, because you literally get that speech twice. You get Brian Tyree Henry's character. Yeah, his wife died. Yeah, you forget about that. It almost almost gets pushed aside for like half a second just because it's such a a vaguely uh, vague thought in what this movie is. You catch on to it, and there's only like maybe two or three references to it, but it doesn't hold any water. You don't feel anything about this guy's wife. You just don't care. It's there as an excuse to go A, B, and C. And there's part of me that really respects that you know as far as like that writing thing where you you're really you're showing us where you're going we see exactly where you're going but that's also kind of the trick if you will that it's saying hey we know that you know that we know that you know kind of thing and it's supposed to be cool like that does that make sense yeah it does i'm just i i i would i would stand by the point that like you know in 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 his case it's like you know why why is that even necessary right it, it's not i mean it's you know they're like you know what what motivated you to become like this you know alex jones's conspiracy theory podcaster and he's like well my wife died and then you know and again for <laughs> alexander skarsgård's character it's like you know what why don't you want to go to the hollow earth what happened and he's like my brother died the last time we tried to go and it's just like you don't need either of those plot beats neither of that is necessary you want to read my book (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i respect you and that's what i will you just do what i say because i say that i've read your crap and i respect whatever you do is that all it takes to buy you scientist man yeah, I just it was it was so strange that that part was so strange to me in both of those characters cases that I just didn't, you know, I didn't understand because I mean, you know, you don't you don't need Alexander Skarsgård to have this like conflict, you know, you just need him to be there and be like, hey, I know how to get us to the hollow earth because I'm the scientist who knows this kind of stuff. And and frankly, in a, a universe where you know, it's part of the story that there are giant monsters running around and the government has been actively covering it up since the end of the Second World War. You don't need any other reason to be a podcasting conspiracy theorist. You are actually completely justified in this universe by having that be your your uh, occupation. That was on the news. Everyone saw it. It was the biggest event anyone has ever seen. Even if you, if you didn't see See it yourself. God knows you heard about it from a gajillion people who did. So it's a this, thing that actually happened. Okay. <laughs> this movie years after King of the Monsters. I'm pretty sure by this point they're teaching this shit in school. Yeah, you like. guys remember in 2005 <laughs> when Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Wait, that's 98. I, I gave that him. Was 98. I gave right him too many. I, I was being generous. I felt like if I said 1998, it would be really cruel, but it's not. It's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> And that movie, I don't, I still can't tell you why it personally exists. It just, it's, it's there. We needed Matthew Broderick to be the lead in our Godzilla movie. Okay, but the nineties were a very strange time. Yeah, but it's just you know, so it's you know, it and. Yeah, if we, if we want to stay on the character thing for a minute. Yeah. You know, what's also even weirder about this movie, and I, I don't know if you picked up on this, Adam, and I haven't listened to uh, your other show yet, um, you know, to, to what you guys talked about. But, you know, you, you might have noticed um, you had, a, a, you know, a, the, the sort of second banana villain in this movie is this uh, Japanese character played by actor uh, Shunogori. Yes. Um, who's, who's the one who is, uh, yeah. And, and that is, is very strange because they say his name like 
once when they introduce him, and, and I don't know if you caught it, that his last name is, is Serizawa, which is the same as the last name of Ken Watanabe's character from the previous two huh. Godzilla movies. Um, because apparently he's supposed to be Ken Watanabe's character's son. And his whole sort of like motivation for what he's doing in this movie um you know, is is that he's angry about the fact that yeah, his daddy died because of these monsters. Like he doesn't understand, of course, you know, that his father deliberately sacrificed himself in the previous movie to save Godzilla and thereby save the planet. Yeah. You know, and and for some for some reason, you know, I can only assume at this point um, until I guess there's there's a Blu-ray with deleted scenes or something. <laughs> they, I assume they must have shot these scenes and then just decided to scrap them. And and that I don't understand. I'm like, you know, that would have been worth keeping in your movie. And you, you could have cut Alexander Skarsgård talking about his dead brother who doesn't matter. No, he doesn't matter at all. You don't care at all. And it, it does. It feels like one of those things where they... The movie brings up something, and your your brain almost half checks out because you're just like, oh, this story again? Okay, that's fine. You, you hear it, you understand it, but boy, do you not care because it feels like just the same garbage that we've been you know, repeatedly fed too many times, sadly. Yeah. But I like the... Uh, okay, so I had you watched any of the trailers uh, leading up to this thing? Um, I watched the first one. I watched the very first trailer that they released, and then I I cut myself off because uh, I I wanted to try to go in and experience the movie fresh and be surprised. And I've I've gotten annoyed in recent years. Or we talked about this back as far as Kong Skull Island. I've gotten annoyed in in recent years with how much of movies they give away nowadays. Uh, in trailers, and I, I already had it bad enough being such a, a huge fan of these films that, like, being you know, kind of in those trenches with with other fans who are you know good friends of mine. That yeah. like you you can't. I'm sure you know about this just as well. As like at a certain point, it's like shit's just in the air and you can't avoid it. And it's like you're very going, tough sometimes. Yeah, it's it's very very hard not to be not to be spoiled about certain things so yeah i i avoided all but the very first trailer so i think i was the exact same way i think i caught like if memory serves and this is kind of how i like to do it now to be honest with you when a teaser trailer comes out i like to watch that teaser just something that gives me enough to hype me up for the movie because chances are with whatever this movie is i'm probably predispositioned to go see it anyways you know so give me just give me that hype give me a little bit of a cheerlead into this thing give me that tiny little teaser that says here's what's kind of coming to you you got a lot more in store and then i don't watch anything else after that i mean the the shorter and sweeter all of those trailers could be i tell you where they did a really good job of is on the uh the most recent Star Wars trilogy. They had very good teaser trailers, and then I didn't watch anything else after there. And the teaser trailer is just, it's kind of like, it's a sizzle reel. That's all it is. Just give me a little bit, make me excited, and then I'll go and see it. That said, I had no idea that Mega Godzilla was in this, and it was badass. Yeah, so I was, that was something that, um, so, so unfortunately for me, uh, I, I'd love to hear you you talk more about this because that's been a, a big thing for me is talking to, uh, you know, to, to my girlfriend and and other people who are not 
uh, fans of this stuff like I am and, and getting their reaction uh, to to the appearance of Mechagodzilla in this movie because uh, unfortunately for me, uh, even though I was avoiding other trailers and avoiding other stuff, that was something that got spoiled for me a long time ago because uh, as, as I'm sure uh, people might be aware, you know, this movie was supposed to come out last year in in spring of 2020 and we had a pandemic and so it got delayed but one of the results of that was uh that you know merchandise for the film was was already uh, slated to come out in stores and it was going up for pre-order online and so you know uh the, the mecha godzilla action figures got put out there and they uh warner brothers legendary uh, whoever, you know, did a good job of trying to pull that back. But, you know, of course, like I was just saying, being in the fandom, it was, it became something where even if you didn't want to know it, you, you found out about it. So, yeah, that was the same thing with Ant-Man where it was just like, oh man, that was a bummer. If I would not have known that going in, that would have been the most, oh my God experience. And you, you assholes ruined it in the trailer. What's wrong with these people? It drives me absolutely bananas. And really, I, I do want a quick side note here, just because it's in the news. Do you hear that David Ayer wants like the, the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad? Did you hear about this? I did not. The Snyder Cut, for what it is, and go listen to my giant episode of HMP where we talk a buttload about it. That's an extra big-sized episode there. A lot, 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 lot of good talk on that show. Um, but with this one uh, coming back, it didn't, it didn't make much sense to me. Yeah. So, but I, all right. So here's the thing. Ultimately, when 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 that happened, I was I was blown away. I had no idea that was coming. I should have even known when there was like I guess it was the eyeball that was kind of sitting in there. Even that didn't trigger it for me. I'm just a big giant dumb dumb. It's like that should have given it away right there, <laughs> but it didn't. I waited till it actually happened. I love the idea that uh, that Mega Godzilla is shown through kind of a. Uh, uh, with the little headband that goes around him, whatever that is, that like where he yeah. can kind of control it with his mind outside of like a, I guess a like a presenced mecha or some such nonsense. I don't know, but he gets to control it with his mind essentially. I like that that's going, and then of course you know loses its will or whatever, and it decides that it can it can think on its own. I guess I don't know. All of these things you just kind of go along with it, like you do every other thing in the entire movie. You just go like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? Well, that was so that was something that did surprise me because I knew Mecha Godzilla was going to be in it, but I didn't know exactly what angle they were going to go with it. And I am really happy that they picked up that thread from King of the Monsters, the post credit scene in King of the Monsters, where you've got um, the Ghidorah heads. Uh, left and and you know they're talking about selling them off to you know uh, the, the highest bidder or whatever Charles Dance's character is and so I I liked that continuity there that so yeah what they've apparently done is you know you've got um, you know uh, Shunogori's character is is ostensibly piloting Mechagodzilla but they've uh, they've basically kind of put. Uh, Ghidorah's brain in in some weird way. Yeah, exactly. Inside. It's like powering it or something. Like the brain is right, the thing that right, supplies yeah. the power, I guess. Yeah, like inside inside Mecha Godzilla, and um, and so that's and and that's what ultimately happens is it's like they lose can he loses control of Mecha Godzilla and essentially Mecha Godzilla, you know, gains gains sentience slashes you know becomes 
becomes Ghidorah in a sense. And so I thought that was kind of a cool, um, that was a cool idea and a different, different sort of angle uh, to, to take the character in that hasn't, hasn't necessarily been done before. They did do a thing in the, the Godzilla films in Japan, the early 2000s, where they did a version of Mechagodzilla that was basically like an evil sort of cyborg doppelganger of Godzilla that had a, had a similar kind of deal. But this was, I, I liked this idea a lot of, of what they went with. So, Do you ever, like, I, I always, you always saw it on TV as a kid. And it's it's probably gone by a thousand different names, but, you know, we'll all know it from The Simpsons' best, Truckasaurus. Have you ever been oh, to yeah, one of those yeah. things? That which just I've seems never, like it would be the I've most amazing thing it. ever. I've never either. Like, there's some people you know, like they've been to like 15 of them, right? And but right. the majority, but that's like maybe five percent. It's but the people that love it, oh my god, do they love it? They're just they're totally into it. And you you see it on TV, and it's just like I, I kind of do want to see a giant <laughs> robot dinosaur bite up a car and blow flames out of his mouth like who wouldn't want to see that like but you would never go i I mean i guess we were just (laughs) poor or something i don't know but you were just like yes we should be doing that and it never happens but to see this and them actually go after the fight and everything once you see mecha godzilla I, I'm like, okay, I know everything else that's exactly going to happen in this movie. I can tell it to you plot point by plot point by plot point, and then that will ex- that exact thing that I just said will happen on screen, and I will not care. Because it is that's the ride that I'm going on. And it's like, you know, we've all gone on roller coasters several times, right? Especially right. if you're doing it, you know, in the same day. You just went on this thing. You know what it's like. You've been there before. You're going to go and do it again. And you do it again, and it's just, to me, it's as good. Like, you can still get that kind of enjoyment out of it. And that's that's what I got with this. I knew what was coming. I saw the track ahead of me. I knew where every bend was, and I did not care because Adam Wingard has taken this and just given us two monsters fighting, and I think it's some of the best that we've seen in quite some time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, you know, uh, you know, I, the, uh, that's something we we've talked about, you know, with the, these monster verse movies is, you know, is, is, is surprisingly the, the somewhat, um, for, you know, these, for being big budget Hollywood films, you know, they've been a little, little uneven in terms of the, the graphics and the visuals that they've given us. I mean, you had the, the first film in 2014, um, where you know they they really sort of tried to hold back on how much you saw the monsters and there was a real attempt to try and, and keep them you know i mean godzilla's it's literally cloud of on dust. the screen for, for <laughs> yeah is literally on the screen for 10 minutes in a two-hour film and most of the time is hidden in a column of dust at night and then uh king of the monsters is is better about having them on screen but you've got a lot of really weird you know like color grading and, and stuff going on with that, but you know, Kong. I remember as we both talked about back in 2017, Kong Skull Island has some of the absolute best CG I've seen in any film uh, in the last like decade, and this film is is right up there uh, with it, just in terms of I think how good uh, every everything looks. You know, um, it, you know, on on the big screen, especially where I saw it, and then watching it a second time on the small screen. Uh, relatively speaking, you know, on, on HBO Max, it's just like, you know, and, uh, you know, all the fights are really good. 
um, especially that that second big fight in Hong Kong at night um, is just like amazing looking and you know is yeah like the the choreography for it is great where you know it's not just like a bunch of it's not just two things like just being bashed into each other and they're just explosions and nonsense like you get in some of this movies movies like you can actually like track like where the characters are you can track like kong's fight choreography which i thought was crazy that you were i was just like oh i can see i can see his strategy here you know yeah you know what he's you know what he's saying you know what he's thinking and how he's going through stuff and you see him processing it as it's going going oh this is working this is not working he's going through all of that we have reached this point where we can have these two monsters fight and they are expressionist enough to be able to go I can see these two having, you know, a, kind of a, a conversation, if you will, back and forth, just by the way that they're moving at each other. And that was something I wanted to pick up on a, a point that you made earlier, Adam, which is that I do absolutely agree with you that, you know, because and, and being in, in the kaiju fandom, you know, you you hear this all the time from people, that thing that you were talking about where, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I don't even want people at all. I just want monsters. And you have yeah. to just kind of roll your eyes and be like, you don't know what you're asking for. But I, I think the reason why this film gets as close to that idea as it it does and and works is because of kong um is because he is an ape he has so much expression you can recognize a lot of uh, human emotions in him you empathize with him and i definitely think that you know they they probably realized that they could do this after you had you know three terrific uh, Planet of the Apes movies, where you did have yeah. a group of nonverbal apes as your uh, main characters. And you bought every second of it. You, yeah. you, you'd never once sat there and been like, I don't understand this. I don't get what's going on. It was presented to you in such a magnificent way that you're just like, it was the most believable thing ever. And that was one of the things that was very transformative about that movie is that it made you, it, it invested so much in the world that it was building that you believed every single bit of it. And like nothing, you, you looked at the, you didn't look at CGI creatures. You just saw apes that were doing what they were doing. It was insane. Yeah, and I, I have to think that they were they were taking some notes uh, from those films, especially in the way that this film, you know, sets up uh, that that relationship between Kong and the uh, the little Skull Islander girl Jaya, um, who you know communicates with him via sign language and, and herself, you know, doesn't speak, uh, which is very reminiscent of what we got in the the last Planet of the Apes movies, War of the Planet of the Apes, where you had that the little girl who, you know, falls in with Caesar and the other apes and is also can't speak and communicating with them through sign language. I was like, it's like somebody was taking notes. So <laughs> those movies were good. Why would why should yeah. we not steal from those movies? And at the same time I just go, fair enough. Because she, yeah. she's one of the characters in this that works for me. Uh, she's kind of the emotional anchor for all of it in as much as she's the one who's really uh, conversing with Kong. I love the fact that like she's done she's taught him American Sign Language undercover. No one yeah. knew. And all of a sudden this cat is just like he's fluent and they're like, oh, wait, wait that and we just go over it. I love it. I, I don't because I don't want to spend time on it. I honestly don't. 
<laughs> but yeah. uh, but I, I love the fact that we can just look and go like, oh yeah, he taught she she, she taught Kong sign language. Now we can talk back and forth with him. It's brilliant. It's so stupid, but it's brilliant in that it works and you buy it and you don't care. And, and on on that same note, you know, and and yeah, by the way, I mean, and it's not a not comparing it with with Planet of the Apes, you know, because I, oh, no. I yeah, I know, yeah, I know, genre films are are inherently uh, incestuous, as Guillermo del Toro likes to say. So I I totally think if you've got something that works in one, borrow it for another one. Yeah, make um, it your own yeah. and do your own thing, yeah. and it, that's not a big deal. I mean. It's it. People don't tend to bitch about awesome stuff as long as it's just make it awesome. <laughs> like it sounds right. so stupid and simple, but there's a part of it that's just like, yeah, I may have seen that a hundred times, but like our action movies prove it. You know, you can film a car wreck from a gajillion different angles, and eventually, it, it's still always going to kind of look cool, especially to dudes. I can't speak for the ladies, but for guys, it's just like shit just blew up really well. That was I like that. That was good, and this so movie was- is that. <laughs> So I was going to ask you, Adam, though, uh, on on the same note of of goofy shit uh, involving Kong, how how did you feel about Kong's axe? I loved it, dude. Uh, like I don't <laughs> like it was just because that's the thing. Again, having not really watched much of anything, and if he did have the axe in the teaser trailer, I certainly didn't realize it as such. So I did not know that this was a thing that was coming into play. Now you tell me this because my brother uh, threw me this one, and I'm like, that absolutely makes sense. Was the blade of this axe and everything was that like uh, like a Godzilla scale or something somewhat similar to that? That's absolutely what that is. That was, um, yeah, it's it's supposed to be a dorsal spine uh, from the back of of a Godzilla. So, uh, which is is something that that this was this was again something that uh, un- unfortunately or, or fortunately or whatever for me got uh, spoiled because of of early uh, toy release, oh, you know, That's stuff coming out. But that was, but again, it was the sort of thing that like, yeah, I mean, once, once, you know, pictures came out of the, the action figure with that axe, it was very apparent to fans about the shape of it and the blue color is like, wait a minute, that's a Godzilla like dorsal plate. And they don't, they don't ever point it out in the, in the film, which is interesting, yeah. but I know that it's been uh, confirmed uh, through through promotional stuff, and it is also uh, evident if if you didn't catch it the first time, when you get a chance to go back and watch it, you know. So Kong Kong gets that axe, you know, when they go down into the Hollow Earth, and then you know when he he they get to the the throne room, which was something in and of itself, you know, and he he sits down on this giant <laughs> throne that's apparently waiting for him. Of course uh, it know. is. Yeah. Um, you know, he put, he puts the ax down, right. And it, they, as they say, it's, it's charging. Um, there's a scene real <laughs> brief. You can, you can miss it where they back the camera up for like an aerial shot. And you actually see that around Kong's throne is like a glowing skeleton of a dead Godzilla. So um, almost in like a sort of Ouroboros kind of, you know, pattern. And that, and when Kong puts the ax down to charge, he's locking it back into place on the back where they clearly took it, took it off. So yeah. He's charging his ax. That's amazing. 
Yeah. You just put your iPhone on there. That son of a bitch just charges right away. It's unreal. Yeah, no, it, it, but that was, I mean, I, I liked that. That was something I know for, for people that seemed to be kind of divisive. I don't, I don't understand why, considering the fact that in Skull Island, you had Kong using a, a tree as a sword at one point, and then also basically a flying guillotine at another point with a, a boat propeller. But um, I, I liked the axe. That made sense. I'm like that. Yeah, Kong's smart. He's you know apes make tools. It, I can totally buy that. That this you know you you need to do something to give Kong a little bit of an edge against Godzilla because Godzilla's got his atomic exactly. breath. Exactly. You can't you can't mess with that. And so he's got to have something in return and making that thing a little bit from him, not the whole thing, obviously, but he's got a little bit enough that it levels out the playing field to when these two actually going at it is more of a fair fight because take that away. We all got our money on Godzilla every single time. So it is that great story element that you just put in there to go, okay, here's what we're doing. We want to make sure that this is going to be as fair a fight as possible. And to do that, sorry, we've got to give some of Godzilla's powers in a sense uh, to Kong. It only, it, it only puts out an even fight at that point. Yeah, exactly. And I think they did. And, and again, in that, that fight in Hong Kong where Kong has the ax for the first time, like, you know, I think that they, they did a really good job with it because, you know, and again, it's, it's completely reasonable. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's losing, he's losing that thing constantly. Godzilla's constantly knocking out of his hand. He's losing yeah. his grip on it. It's getting stuck in the side of a building. And, and so that also really helps to add to like the tension because yeah, Kong's got this weapon that lets him level the playing field but you know unlike godzilla's atomic breath it's not physically part of him so you know it it becomes imperative that he holds on to it and every time he doesn't have it you get a little bit worried because you're just like oh shit get the axe get get the axe back you know so you gotta be careful, but it is. It, they don't let him just kind of sit there and swing it and go back and forth. They are constantly putting him in peril and stuff, and and he is. He's the lead of this movie. It's called Godzilla versus Kong, but a lot of times in you know matches, the champion kind of goes to the end, so to speak. You know, it's like yeah. you know this guy versus this guy, and the second guy is usually the bigger one. And Kong here is kind of. Um, our lead character, if you will. He's the one that people are coming to see, even though his name is second on the card, because we spend the majority of this movie with him. And frankly, because, like you said previously, because he's an ape, because he has enough human characteristics and everything, because we've gotten him into this sign language and everything, we buy this character, we believe him, and and he just he becomes as real. Or, I mean, and this is I'm not going to lie to you. This is kind of a slap to the actors, but he comes as real as those guys are. You oh, know, yeah. like like I, I buy him just as much as I buy Skarsgård's character, who's fine and everything. But like you know, it's nothing super important with that. Yeah, but but no, it, he's there to he's there to continue on that story, and that story is the story of Kong, and then you know Godzilla gets put into that, and as as we said. Once you see Mechagodzilla, you know what the rest of the movie is. Mechagodzilla is going to get out there. You know, one's going to have a little bit of a problem with Mechagodzilla. The other one's got to come in. They've got to join forces. And and we go Freddy versus Jason, where it's kind of like we don't really have a winner because we both teamed up and beat the big bad baddie. And and you know what? You knew that going in. And damn if it wasn't a fun-ass ride all the way. 
Well, I got to say, I mean, I, w- I will say that I think that they played that very well because uh, it, to my mind, um, you know, there is, there is no way that, you know, uh, ultimately like, you know, and this, this is something, I mean, I think people, you know, if they, if they want, if they want to waste their time debating this, they, they can, but I think that ultimately <laughs> what you have is, is Godzilla wins the, the first round when they fight out at sea, um, you know, the Kong, Kong is, is beat. The, the human characters are like, we've got to play dead make him go away. Second fight round one in Hong Kong, Kong gets the upper hand, but then Godzilla comes back just absolutely in, in a most, you know, terrifying way. I've, I think one of the most terrifying appearances I've ever seen of him as a character where like he is angry, he is desperate. He is crawling across the ground. Kong is, is scared and, and he, he kills Kong. I mean, they have to defibrillate Kong (laughs) to bring him back. But of course they do. Again, I'm telling you, is that not the most nineties thing you've ever heard of in your entire life? (laughs) We've got to go and defibrillate somebody. We were defibrillating motherfuckers every three seconds in 1998. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and then, but then, you know, yeah, they've got, so, you know, so then, uh, but then I think they make, they make a smart move, which is, you know, so they, they bring Kong back and Kong's got to go in there and, uh, and beat Mecha Godzilla. He's basically got to, got to save uh, Godzilla from, from Mecha Godzilla. And I think that was a really, really smart compromise. Cause it's like, all right, if you're not going to have Kong beat Godzilla, have him beat the thing that looks like Godzilla. You know, that, yeah. that make that makes sense. And then and then you get the very last scene in the movie, which is the thing I'm talking about, where I think, you know, you, people who are are either Godzilla fans or Kong fans are going to are going to debate about, you know, I mean, I I took that last scene of the movie as as like you said, Adam, I, I took that as like a truce. I didn't take that as Kong giving in or, or anything. I took that as them being like, OK, you know, look, we're just we're not going to do this anymore. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a common trope that we've had in movies uh, since almost time began with film. This this thing goes on all the time where you have these two, they go at it, they have a common enemy that a common enemy is overcome, and the two of them look at each other and just you know. And and the great part is is we have two nonverbal characters here who both essentially look at each other and be like, all right next time and Godzilla goes back to the sea as he normally was and because we've come up with the most amazingly stupid goofy ass uh, thing I've seen in movies in quite some time because we've invented this uh, middle earth as I like to call it <laughs> but it's hollow earth well, we create the hollow earth and everything you've got a, a, a underwater if you will uh, for Kong because Skunk, Skull Island got too small we had to simulate this thing he got too big for it he could tell that he was you know uh, kind of locked down and sequestered into this place being able then to bring him to hollow earth and have this crazy acid trip that is in the middle of the earth for some reason and it's this it's the thing that everyone goes that's stupid that's dumb that doesn't exist that's ridiculous and he goes yes that's absolutely correct that said we have a tunnel that's already built and shit and we got a whole bunch of mess that we got like all this kind of stuff that we're ready for all of that it's it's the most insane thing you've ever heard of in your entire life and you just don't care i am total i am totally here for hollow earth i am a long time i love it 
big fan of, of like Jules Verne, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Journey to the Center of the Earth. I love that idea. I just think that there's something really inherently fascinating about the notion of like a world inside our world, just below the surface. And I, I really, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, they bring it up as, as this little, you know, this little throwaway kind of detail in Kong Skull Island, and then they tease it again in King of the Monsters. And I love the fact that they finally, you know, th they made it pay off, right, in, in this movie that we actually get to see the Hollow Earth. This explains where all the monsters come from. They're all living down in there just like you had dinosaurs in the Jules Verne and the Edgar Rice Burroughs stories in the Hollow Earth. It's the same sort of idea. And this is where all the monsters are. And 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 it just it just works, you know. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm I don't have any I don't have any problems with it. The only thing the only thing I'll say because this cracks me up is that I do think it's really really funny that they spend basically the first hour of this movie talking about how damn hard it is to get to the center of the Hollow Earth, and then Godzilla comes along and and just blows a hole to the middle of it in like ten seconds. Yeah. He's just like, you know, they're, they're, they're going through all this trouble. They've built these special like cars that look like they came out of Tron. They've like, we've got to get Kong to Antarctica. We've, There's we've loaded up these things with other monsters for who the fuck knows why. Yeah. And then, and then Godzilla just like shows up in Hong Kong and he's just like, oh yeah, give me, give me a, give me a minute guys. And just blows a hole right to the middle of the hollow earth so yeah i was just he's, like That's... he's he's able to access it at any time all he's got to have is just an upset stomach and uh it's it's, <laughs> it's the hollow earth's gonna have a good bad problem on their hands yeah, and everyone exactly, else yeah. in the world probably thinks it's just an earthquake that's all exactly yeah i thought that was i thought that was kind of hysterical so and but again it's it's one of those things where you know you at the end of the day you don't really care because you also understand like you know, you you either don't think about it at all, or I think if you're thinking about it and you're, in the, and you're in the right frame of mind, you understand that, yeah, obviously this is being done for the sake of the convenience of the plot because, like, the clock is ticking here. We don't want this movie to run over two hours. We need Kong and Godzilla to fight again. We can't waste a bunch of time having Kong get back out of the hollow earth after it was such a big deal to get him there. You know, Godzilla's just going to blow a hole to the, you know, the middle of it. Yeah, so. it's just, it's it's ridiculous, but the cool part is it's like, We've got them each in their kind of cordoned off areas. So if we ever need them again, you know, at this point, and I'll ask you what you think about this, but at this point, like, you know, if you wanted to do a Godzilla movie, you just do a Godzilla movie. If you want to do a Kong movie, you just do a Kong movie. But the alternative thought out there is that uh, we're starting to get into a place, especially with like this monster verse and stuff, a lot like we are with comic book movies to where, you know, if you're getting a, a Thor movie, you're not just going to get a Thor movie right you're going to get thor and a little bit of guardians of the galaxy or something else in there are, are we at a place now where it's always going to be and you know it's a king kong and a godzilla and you know a something else well i mean yeah so I mean, if we want to have the conversation about the future of the monster verse this is something that you know there's there's a million think pieces out there right now that people are, are speculating about this and you know i've seen people asking Adam Wingard in interviews and he said he has no idea, you know, what, what's, what's going to happen next. Um, what we know, 
what we know right now, unless something's gone down behind the scenes that uh, that hasn't been publicized, is that uh, Toho, the contract that they drew up with Legendary, uh, expired in 2020. So right oh. now, Godzilla as an IP is totally back uh, in Toho's court, and Toho's representatives have uh, have have, including in a recent. Uh, I think it's actually even in the, there's a Godzilla versus Kong like magazine, collector's magazine that's on shelves and in grocery stores and whatnot right now. Um, I think it's even in the back of that, they're saying like, you know, their, their plans going forward is they want to, to take the reins back on Godzilla and try and explore, you know, this sort of, of cinematic universe idea on their own and see what they can do with it. Meanwhile, legendary, um, it's not entirely clear what their, their current plans are, but they have announced, I mean, they, they seem to have some intention to try to continue this franchise in some way because they did announce back uh, late last year or early this year. I can't remember now because what is time anymore? Yeah, yeah um, pretty much. But, um, they 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 have a uh, Kong uh, a MonsterVerse Kong animated series uh, set for Netflix yeah. that is going to be from the studio that's doing Castlevania and Blood of Zeus and the writer who did Underwater and Love and Monsters. Well, that ain't a bad um, pedigree. So that's uh, that's their that's all that we know at the moment as far as what their their current their current plans are i think that you know there's i think there's a lot of fans out there that want to see this this particular cinematic universe continue there are also people that if this is really the end of it are pretty happy that yeah. you know we got the four films that we did um you know i i think a lot of it's going to depend you know, if the if the two halves of this equation are Godzilla and Kong, then it's, a lot of it's just going to depend on on what Toho wants to do, what they think as a studio is best for for uh, for this IP um, at the moment. So, and 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 who knows who knows what what's that going to what's that what that is going to be, other than the fact that you know for the for the in the last couple of years Toho has been investing very heavily in. Uh, in trying to bring Godzilla also interestingly enough, like legendary is doing with Kong bringing it over into animation because they did a, a, a series of three CGI animated movies uh, with Netflix uh, based on Godzilla uh, that had a, a mixed reception uh, amongst fans. And then currently in Japan right now, they have a new uh, anime series that's done in a traditional like 2d style called Godzilla singular point that once that's done airing in Japan is supposed to be coming over to Netflix uh, later this year as well. And I've, I've actually already seen a little bit of that show um, uh, as it's being broadcast in Japan. And uh, it's, it's really, it's really good so far. I mean, they are, and I'm, I'm thinking that this looks like it might be kind of their first sort of attempts to sort of, dip their toes into, you know, this current trend of doing these kinds of, you know, cinematic universe kinds of things. Cause this isn't just uh, Godzilla. They're bringing in 
all of the other monsters and they're doing some really interesting stuff with them again kind of like the monster verse where they're trying to like build into a sort of foundation of, of Japanese mythology and everything to kind of explain where these creatures come from. It looks, it looks really cool so far, you know, so I think there's lots of, lots of possibilities out there uh, for this stuff, not to mention, you know, again, all of the other things that we've been getting in the last couple years related to to this genre you know uh netflix just also just earlier this year has a pacific rim anime and i'm, I'm still wondering if we're going to get a third one of those movies at some point yeah um i really liked love and monsters i watched that uh just recently on vod and uh uh and i, I still want a sequel to rampage so you know but yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, think about it. Like 20 years ago, if somebody would have told you, like, this would be, like, kind of the landscape of all this, you probably would have laughed at him. I know I would have. I'd have been like, yeah, oh, sure, what a, what a what a grandiose dream you've got there. That's There's no chance that's going to happen. And sure enough, here we are. It's kind, of, it's kind of insane how much of a resurgence a lot of this stuff has gotten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was something somebody asked me that like a week ago was, you know, it's actually, it's a film class that I'm taking right now um, in, in school. And, and this question came up about like, you know, in 10 years, what are you going to remember about movies from like the last 10 years? And I'm going to, and I just said, like, and, 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 you know, frankly, everybody else was, you know, being, I thought a little, little overly artsy to a certain extent, you know, <laughs> and I was just like, man, I've gotten new Godzilla movies, new Kong movies, new Planet of the Apes movies, new Jurassic Park movies. Guillermo del Toro made a movie about a woman having sex with a fish man. <laughs> this has like been the best decade of my life with film. So. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's kind of been insane. Like, we we often bitch, and I'm I'm certainly guilty of it as much as anybody else. Uh, talk about just like how how shitty a lot of the landscape of film and stuff is, and yes, one could you're always going to look back on stuff with a, a better eye than what was actually going on at the time. If I really think back to a lot of the late '90s, yes, there's a lot of great stuff in there, but there's also a lot of garbage, and the, the, yeah. the all the times are. Uh, are the same in in so many ways is that you know we've gotten such a, a a plethora of new stuff like you said from all of those things plus all you know the comic book movie is in it's like you know like third phase of life at this point and it's 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 really astounding and we've gone beyond that into uh to television to where our television now is just multi-episoded movies uh and we're doing that with Marvel right now for heaven's sake yeah, absolutely. I didn't even mention that stuff. And that's just because like, you know, for me personally, that's not like the yeah. top of my list. But I've again, I've watched all of the Marvel movies. I've seen, you know, at least about half of what DC's put out recently, you know. So, again, all of this, all this kind of stuff and absolutely what you were saying. I mean, this is something that, you know, if if somebody if somebody had told me at one point that this would was going to be an option for the future, you know, I probably, I probably wouldn't have believed them, you know, because it just, you know, who, who would have, who would have guessed that this was the direction that, you know, things were going to go in. So. Yeah. I'm just, and, and we also get like, I mean, it's just beyond the big giant blockbuster stuff, which is all fantastic and everything. There's still a lot of great independent stuff that gets put out as well. And, you know, we all, 
we we tend to ignore those obviously because the the world is all about box office and stuff like that. But there's still as many like you know great independent movies coming out that that were there you know fifteen twenty years ago as well. Yeah, I mean the same. Yeah, that was the same thing. I was like, yeah, when I was going off on this this spiel about you know all of these big franchises, and somebody was like, you know, boy, I mean, aren't there any like mid budget films that you you like? And I was like, yeah, I loved Arrival, and I loved you know, Annihilation and, and her, and, you know, there's been a bunch of other films that I also enjoyed that, you know, again, are, are stuff that I, they're in that same sort of broad, you know, kind of science fiction genre stuff that I enjoy, but, you know, I love, you know, the more, the stuff that's divorced from like big franchises, that's more yeah, creative Yeah, and, and I think too. we're going to be seeing more of that stuff over the years. I think we're going to see a lot of, like, when you look back, just those films that you've listed there, uh, plus just a ton of other ones where you're like, man, there were a lot of like really cool crazy independent stuff a lot of it you know sci-fi and uh you know some occasional fantasy stuff here or there but like it's just a lot of really creative stuff that's going down on a small small level and it's it's a it's a whole new it feels like a new renaissance to me in a in a strange way because we can really have you know uh, what are considered today quite micro budgets that aren't even in that you know forty to fifty million dollar range that are under that and are doing some things that are like really kind of spectacular for the budgets that they're putting out. Yeah, that's just I mean, there's so much more accessibility nowadays. You know, I mean, special effects have become. Uh, you know, cheaper for the the average uh, person who wants to get into film. The the barriers have been lowered. Um, you know, in the ages of streaming, as far as like distribution, where you don't necessarily have to get in bed with the big studios, and you don't even necessarily have to go through uh, the major theater chains in order to. And in fact, you might actually be advantageous for you not to go the traditional theatrical route if you want to get a lot of eyeballs on something because a lot more eyeballs nowadays are on things like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime so yeah i mean honestly i think if somebody had you know just for a very specific you could probably have a couple other genres but the first one that would come to mind if you had an independent horror movie and your first goal wasn't to put that on shutter you're a fucking moron like that's going to be the place that people are going to go to now because that's going to get eyes on their actual work. That's what's going to get these people uh, to become these people that were that are quite frankly like Adam Wingard was. Adam Wingard yeah. wasn't doing a whole bunch of really hot, you know, top notch shit. If you would have seen what he was doing, you know, in the early two thousands, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that you know this giant blockbuster, this million dollar blockbuster, would actually be put in his hands. You wouldn't think that. And I'm not disparaging any of his work because I like a lot of that early shit. I I I, I like uh, what what do you call it there? The um, oh, the one with the mask. Oh, shit, my brain just took. It oh, out. you're next. You're next. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. it's such a simple title. It's one of those. I think I just fooled myself. Uh, but you're next. Your next was absolutely amazing. And it just got monkeyed around with for so long. And then, you know, his other kind of little ABCs of death and stuff like that came out, which were all fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, he did like the guest and uh, that new Blair Witch, which I thought was actually a fantastic movie. Uh, like the, I, I consider that like an actual true honest to God sequel to the original Blair Witch Project. If you haven't seen that, suggest you do. It's uh, pretty good. Uh, but all of a sudden, when it was said that he was getting this, it was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And uh, I feel like we're starting to get into the era 
of especially with these big budget things we're getting into the fact that uh, the people that are going to be directing this now were at one point fans of stuff. And I think it really started with JJ Abrams and star Trek or, or star Wars rather really, because that was his thing growing up. That's what he wanted to do. And it was really the first time. And you can, there's arguments pro and con to all that kind of shit. I don't want to get into that, but it was the first time that we gave these properties to people that grew up with them. And we're getting more and more of that. Adam Wingard, certainly of that, of that uh, ilk. And it it feels like that to me when watching this, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would definitely say that that's true. I mean, I I think that you always see this, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the only, the only time this kind of isn't true is when you go back to like, you know, those first couple decades, the beginning of the 20th century with the birth of cinema, because obviously there's nothing for, for that generation, there's a couple generations of filmmakers to be drawing on. But I think definitely by the time you get to, you know, the 1980s, you see, you know, you're starting to see people, um, you know, like, uh, uh, I, I, you know, Joe Dante comes to mind, but I'm trying to think of other, other guys, you know, but people who, who grew up during, you know, the fifties and the sixties with that, that first wave of like classic science fiction and horror movies. And now that's influenced them. That's, you know, put them on the path that they're on. And in that case, you know, they, they used, they drew on some of that inspiration to start, you know, creating some of these properties, creating some of these franchises. And then now we're, I think you're right. You know, now the next level of this is that you are starting to have directors who then grew up with those properties and are being given a chance, right? They're, they're being given the keys to the castle and they're being, they're being said for better or worse. Right. And everybody's got, got an opinion about that, but for better or worse, they're being said, all right, let's see, let's see what you, what you do, right. As somebody who, yeah. who is a fan of this, what's your idea about, you know, how this story story should continue or how this story should be uh, remade. So, um, you know, and I, I think, you know, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. We're getting to the point. It's happening. And uh, I, I, by and large, I, w- I feel like it's been a good thing mostly. And I, I, I can't complain too awful much with it. And it's one of those things where uh, it's just like until you start really screwing up, just kind of keep on doing it, man. I don't really care. I, I'm enjoying what we're getting so far. Uh, I mean, like you said, maybe Toho's going in a different direction after this one, but I think the smart thing is is that they've left themselves open to do like a solo Kong thing, if you will, if if and that's what they have to do, right? Because Toho doesn't want to be involved anymore. They can still do a a, a Kong in Hollow Earth, and I don't know, maybe that could be that first, you know, true monster thing that everybody you know says that they want. I, I don't know. That's just I, I'm I'm totally yeah. I, I want to yeah. It's sort of a. Uh, a, a kind of closing thing, you know, now that if, if we're at, we're at this point where, you know, whether this is, this is the whole shebang or just phase one to use the sort of Marvel parlance, yeah. whatever the case is now that we're at the end of this particular chapter um, of, of the MonsterVerse franchise, I do feel, oh, I, I will say this looking, looking back on the whole thing. And I did just rewatch all of these movies leading up to Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong. So they're, they're fresh in my mind. Um, I, I will say that if legendary going forward just has Kong and they want to just keep doing Kong, I'm okay with that. I'm down for Kong at the earth's core because I do think that the two strongest films 
out of this this series have been Kong Skull Island and Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I think that legend, I th- and and I I, w- I would put it like this, which is that I think Hollywood filmmakers make better Kong movies than they make Godzilla movies. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a dig at the Godzilla movies that we've got, but I think that just on a sort of fundamental level, because Godzilla is not our monster, it's not something that that came out of of our culture, as much love and, and appreciation as people in America and around the world have for the character of Godzilla. It's not our baby. And, you know, so I, I think that, you know, there is a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, even, even amongst the most diehard fans, you know, which I don't doubt, for example, like Michael Dodery is a diehard Godzilla fan. I feel there's a little bit of a disconnect as to, as to that character, you know, in, in the same way that, you know, um, if oh and then you know i don't even have to to exaggerate here because this is something that happened back in the day that i'm sure you're aware of adam i mean in the same way that if you gave a bunch of uh japanese filmmakers spider-man it's gonna be a little bit off (laughs) it's a it's a touch strange when it goes over to to people that you know haven't quite had their uh their proper fill with it they kind of take it and do as they will with it you know (laughs) yeah and that's not that's not a bad thing. No, it's it's but, an interesting yeah. thing. Usually, it's, it's like whoa, it's a, this yeah, is weird. It's usually, it's usually a really interesting thing. But I think at the end of the day, it's it's safe to say that however much fun Japanese Spider-Man might be, it's not it's not necessarily what you want all the time yeah. from that character. And I feel safe saying as a Godzilla fan that going, uh, if, if this is how it is, at least for the next, you know, several years going forward, I'm, I'm happy with my Japanese Godzilla movies and my Hollywood Kong movies. So, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, but we'll, we'll see as, uh, mm-hmm. things roll on in the future. And, uh, my guess is we'll have you back for, uh, some of those whenever those happen because these conversations are always good. I, I like being with someone who always knows more than I do about something. It means that I get to learn something throughout the conversation. And, uh, I always learn that with you. So thank you for, uh, coming on again, buddy. Oh, I'm always happy to do this. I have a lot of fun, yeah, talking about these films. And yeah, you know, hopefully as as things as things get back to normal, you know, if there's an opportunity that comes up in the future. I, I don't know what the next thing uh, might be other than maybe uh, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, which I know is in the can. Um, ah, yes, yes, know, yes. Yeah, so for I think 2022 now, but so that's, that's still a ways off. But yeah, um, you know, definitely. I always happy to come back. There'll so be more stuff, and me. and honestly, and I want to throw this out there as well because a part of I've been thinking, kind of leading up to bringing the show back and everything. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking of is that I, I want to just I want to talk to people. I want to talk to whoever you are. If you uh you know can carry on a, a good conversation like my friend Justin here, uh, let me know, man. We'll talk about your movie. I'll watch whatever movie that you know kind of means something to you. If uh, if you have something that you know kind of speaks out and you just want to say, hey, here's what I like. Let's see if we can kind of celebrate and watch that stuff together. 
uh, I'd be all down for that. And especially if it's easy to watch on the internet, because, hey, that <laughs> makes life a hell of a lot easier for the rest of us, doesn't it? Uh, so uh, email me at thefilmfind at gmail.com if uh, you happen to fall in that category. And frankly, I'll take anybody. I'm desperate. That's not true. Uh, some of you will have to pass rigorous tests. No, the, okay. But uh, seriously, thefilmfind at gmail.com. Uh, that's it, everybody. Justin, uh, thanks again for coming. Do you have any plugs? Do you have any uh, things coming out where people can read some of your stuff? Oh, um, I, I do. Uh, I mean, uh, so, um, uh, if you, so yeah, go on, uh, uh, so the most recent thing was just a couple months ago, a book came out, uh, called religion, culture, and the monsters, which I have a, a chapter in, uh, um, about, uh, oh, I, I don't even want to bring this up cause I feel like it, it, it's going to stretch out the show. Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll say this. And I'll let it tantalize people. Good. I, I wrote an essay, which I'm planning to turn into a larger project going forward. Um, about a, a a weird thing I discovered in history that uh, one of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, had a side career as a monster hunter. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, monster hunter. I'm not making that up. That's absolutely true. So that is um, that that just came out. Uh, if people if people want to look that up. Um, they can also probably find a couple of interviews that I've done online, uh, talking about that research. Um, other, other than that, I think for fans of, uh, of this podcast and, and, and this episode in particular, uh, I would recommend if you go on Amazon, you can find the books, uh, Kong Unmade and, uh, Jaws Unmade, which are about unmade King Kong films and unmade, uh, sequels. Uh, and spinoffs and knockoffs of of Steven Spielberg's Jaws, nice. and I have contributed to both of those books. Uh, I wrote a, a, a very long and in depth uh, piece on uh, the history of the uh, 1932 uh, King Kong. Uh, novelization, which was one of the first movie novelizations ever written and is still in print. And then for the Jaws book, I wrote a piece dealing with um, the uh, the movie Meg uh, uh, for people who remember that with uh, Jason Statham from a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, I man, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this video essay and talk about my favorite uh, Jaws ripoff of all time, uh, Blades from Troma. <laughs> It is it is almost a shot for shot remake of Jaws, but instead of in the ocean, it's on a golf course. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Because you know Jaws, you know what's going on in the future, and you know what the next scene is. And then when you see how they do that scene for you in their version of this movie, it's absolutely hilarious. It's the best I've ever seen. And it was available on YouTube for the longest time, and then now it's gone. You can find like a trailer and stuff, which is fine and everything. But uh, and I can't find a way to get that so I can actually chop it up and make a good you know uh video essay so uh i'm just saying my film uh, film find at gmail.com is the uh, email address to this show all right that is it everybody uh i i don't know when the next show is gonna be but i'm gonna hopefully uh it's gonna happen soon and uh we'll do it as soon as possible because frankly i want to get back into this and justin i want to thank you uh for helping me come back to this and uh we will see you guys uh next time I say I'm feeling like I'm King Kong. Whoever wanna tell them, bring it on. If you 